Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Before we dive in, I want to thank our many listeners who have left us reviews. This one comes from MD728. Amazing show. Inspiring, raw, and real stories. Andrea normalizes a very difficult topic. Please keep it up. We will. And thank you so much, MD728, for your five-star review. We greatly appreciate it. Dr. Lori Baker Shenna has an MBA and a doctorate in education, and she is the CEO and founder of Baker Shenna Communications. Lori is a leadership coach and professional speaker who works with individuals, academic institutions, entrepreneurs, small businesses, and large corporations to strengthen their management and team building skills. Lori is also a cancer survivor. Lori, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. So this was fairly recent. Is that correct? Uh, I'm actually a cancer survivor of two cancers. So uh, I had lymphoma nine years ago, and then I was diagnosed with breast cancer last year. So my second cancer was recent. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well... Let's start with number one. Take us back to the beginning with lymphoma. Yeah. So um, it's very interesting because my lymphoma, my whole family, to backtrack a little bit, most of my relatives have died of cancer. My mother died of cancer, of ovarian cancer when she was 49. And my sister died of breast cancer when she was 54. And my brother, upon biopsy, uh, after he died at 56, they found liver cancer. So I figured that I would maybe get something, although I had no genetic codes, which is interesting after my genetics test. So getting lymphoma was a little bit out of uh, what I would think I would be getting. But what happened was uh, I was 55 years old or 54 at the time, and I was really sick to my stomach. And I was, you know, kind of throwing up and this and that. I didn't, and it just didn't feel right. So I, one day I ended up, I had one of these sessions and I ended up in the ER. And come to find out that I had a telescopic stomach tumor. And what happened was this tumor would go in and out of the small bowel, and sometimes it would obstruct it, and sometimes it wouldn't. So I had been to the ER a couple of times. They couldn't find anything. So this last time I went back in April of uh, 2013, they actually saw on CT that there was something there. But the doctor didn't think it was a tumor. He just thought it might have been some kind of a blockage. So he, we did surgery. And what happened was at five o'clock the morning after surgery, he came to my bed and I was all alone. And he says, Lori, he says, you've got cancer. And I don't believe it. And for me, it was like, okay. Uh, he just blurted on? it out? I mean, yeah. So <laughs> he, he, he was so surprised that someone, and he took out a tumor, which was about this big. And, he, and then- he didn't, he had never seen anything like it in the, in the small bowel. And it was a community hospital, which is fine because I later found out that 
this is not as rare as it, I thought it was. But anyway, the, my story about this, and I'm a motivational speaker, so this is what I always bring up, is that for two days, they didn't know what kind of a tumor it was and what kind of cancer it was. And with stomach cancer, it could either be something deadly, like you can be dead in three weeks, or curable. And I was a medical writer uh, before I became a med- uh, a motivational speaker and also a professor. So I knew a lot about cancer. So I knew that I had two days to find out my future. And I am a big believer in that you really need to focus on the positive, to shift to the positive no matter what. And that is my mantra. So I figured, okay, if I have three weeks to live, I'm going to make the most of those three weeks because A lot of people don't have that luxury of three weeks. They get hit by a bus, they get shot, something dreadful happens to them, and they're dead immediately. So I looked at those three weeks as a gift. I would make some phone calls, do some closures, people I liked, see people I didn't like. I had this whole scenario planned. And, uh, I, was ready, I was ready to roll. I mean, I, I really. Okay, I, I got to tell you because all I'm thinking about for you is those two days. Yeah, you so know, two days, I, I was like, I I made my list of who I wanted to call. So long. Were you in a hospital? Yeah, for I was two hospitalized. Days? Oh yeah, you were. Yeah, okay, so you're yeah, waiting. So they had this. They did this huge surgery to take you know big abdominal. Um, so it went to pathology, yeah. and you're waiting, right? And that is outside the pathology to you know into another outside course. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. So uh, anyway, two days later, he, the doctor, general surgeon, he said, he got, was really sad. He came back, he goes, you've got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I lit up like a Christmas tree because it wasn't adenocarcinoma of the stomach, right. which would be the bad one. It was this something that right. was able to be cured. So um, I guess it worked in terms of that because it's nine months, nine years later and here I am. <laughs> and I ended up getting uh, immunotherapy and uh, they say that eventually it will come back, but so far so good. And it's been nine years. So that's cancer number one. And uh, so stop right there. So uh, <laughs> I don't, we don't gloss over stuff here. Um, so you only had immunotherapy after they took out this very large tumor. Correct. Um, what did that look like for you? How long did you have any side effects? So it was interesting because my particular non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was unusual in that it's called extranodal. And it was in the bloodstream, but it, it made a tumor, which usually doesn't happen. And it made it in the small bowel. And that's because I had in my stomach, and I didn't know it, H. pylori. Now, H. pylori is that- I- just looked this up this morning. I kid you not. This is so weird. Okay. I'll shut up. Tell everybody what that is. <laughs> so H. pylori is something like l- most of us have in our stomach, but like 1% of it can become cancer, which of course I win the lottery, except the real lottery all the time. And I got it right. So, um, so, so it was a whole different thing. So the first thing they had to do with me was give me massive antibiotics because they had to get rid of the H. pylori. And that was yeah. probably worse than the actual immunotherapy because uh, anyone out there who has taken a massive ad, it's just disgusting. And it, what it does to your stomach is, you know, you got to be very close to a restroom. <laughs> um, so I'm laughing because I, this is a crazy story, but I was up in the Seattle visiting my daughter before my, um, my immunotherapy and I had taken these antibiotics. And there's a place up here in, in Seattle called Taco Time. 
and I talk you did not go to taco time you did not (laughs) which cracked me up so anyway that's you know that's my antibiotic story but then after that I had it was only uh, it was four rounds of rituximab and rituximab is an immunotherapy drug and it can be your first um I had four rounds once a week for a month and your first round it can be literally deadly like super deadly. So they have to monitor every drop. And if you start having allergic reaction, they have to, you know, give you um, all sorts of Benadryl. So I like 20 minutes into it, I was, I had a reaction. So they had to load me up. So I had one bag of this and it took 13 hours for them to drip it through because it was so toxic, Andrea. And then the rest of the other three times were fine. And, uh, and then that was it. That's now I'm just scoped, uh, every year to see if it's, if it's back or not. So, but wow. it was wild. It's a kind of a different type of experience. Yeah. I'm glad, they have I'm just glad that, they... you know, because that was only introduced, you know, 20 years ago. So. Yeah. And I'm just glad they figured out what it was because I don't think a lot of people understand you hear small bowel, stomach cancer, but, but it can be a different kind of cancer and just happen to reside in that part of your body. So I'm really glad they figured out what it was. So you survive non, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, survive that. And they tell you it might come back one day, but then you are diagnosed with breast cancer. So how did that diagnosis come about? Did you have any symptoms? Did you have a lump? What happened? Well, that's interesting too. And that goes into the whole COVID thing because, uh, and it's interesting that you had just had that whole COVID experience because I call the last two years when I do talks, uh, COVID cancer and chaos, because that's basically what happened. So I actually got COVID back I was kind of OG COVID in the early days in December of 2020. And I was scheduled for a, mem- I do a mammogram every year and I was scheduled for a mammogram that October of 2020, but they weren't doing them uh, right. because of COVID. So they ended up rescheduling for February. And I just didn't think anything of it. I was done with my COVID and I was kind of getting back to my life. And I had a mammogram and they uh, called me back and they said they saw, found something suspicious. And I just, I just, it just wasn't even on my radar, even though there's so much of that in my family. I just thought, you know, I, I've gone this long. I was 62 years old. And uh, the, so long story short, the mammogram found this lump and mammograms, I did not know this, have ratings. So you can tell there's some... Uh, tumors that are so obviously cancer that they knew immediately it was cancer. So February of last, you know, of last year, February of last year, I, all of a sudden I've got breast cancer and it was the thing that's interesting. And I had a lot of tests. I'm going to fast forward a little bit, but the thing that was interesting about that was that it was super aggressive, super aggressive and very tiny when they found it. So, That's what I was going to ask. So you didn't feel a lump. You hadn't felt anything. And, you know, and unusual. it's kind of intimidating. I'm laughing. I, I find humor in everything because the, you know, the medical oncologist, I, I, you know, I went to city of hope, which is an incredible facility. And absolutely. And uh, so she's so my first time I've meeting her and she's sitting there and she goes, Oh, I feel it. You know, here, feel that. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't feel it. 
know, that whole, you know, breast, you know, do your own breast exam and everything. I mean, I, it's, it's like, there's, it almost kind of puts the onus on you. And, and, and I believe that sometimes like, well, she could feel it. I, I couldn't feel it. It, it was small, but to, to me it was her. So I, I couldn't feel it. But the thing that was interesting to me in terms of fate was that it was tiny, but incredibly aggressive. So if I had had that mammogram in October, it might not have shown up. And then That's I would right. have waited a year and then it would have been a problem. Yeah. So I was going to, so I was just going to add that um, many of the women I know who did find their own lumps only found the lump because it was exceptionally high um, or it was closer to their armpit. You know, they, they never would have felt it in their actual breast tissue. And what they thought was a very small lump was actually very large but they didn't feel it in their breast. You know, they, they felt it much higher up. Yeah. So yeah, you, you don't necessarily, I mean, not that we shouldn't do breast exams, right. but you might not feel it. Right. And I, I'm all about self breast exams for sure, but you, I'm all about mammograms even more because you know, that's a nice, you know, background. And I, I really believe that young women should be getting them too, because in my cancer journey, I found so many younger women, you know, who have it. So. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, um, it was a, an aggressive small tumor. So I, I opted for a double mastectomy because of what my family history. Specifically, what kind of breast cancer specifically? What, what kind of breast cancer specifically? Oh, I had a, a estrogen positive HR2 negative. So I had it okay. and it's highly estrogen positive. Like it was 95%. And uh, so so it's one of the most common cancers, but it was like really high on that cancer score. It's like, you know, off the charts. And so I decided to get the um, double mastectomy and they didn't, uh, I didn't need uh, any kind of uh, radiation because of that. And it had not spread, which I'm so thankful for, but, but because it was so aggressive and because it was so toxic, I underwent four rounds of chemotherapy and that was TC chemotherapy. And that took all last summer and I lost all my hair. And which is why I'm sure you're going to put my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, headshot up and, uh, I don't look like that right now, but I, I plan to get there, but it's so funny because I, uh, had straight hair before chemo and now I have Hair. You're getting the chemo, oh, curls. The chemo curls. I met so many people so, that their hair came back curly. That's so wild. I'm just thrilled it came back. So, so <laughs> I, I went through chemo, and that was really hard and horrific. Uh, and then it was, and then it was done. And uh, so now I am taking letrozole, which is the estrogen blocking pill, and that is very, very, very tough. And a lot of Tell my. Tell me about that. What, what is tough about it? Tell me it about is, that. What's tough? You know, we don't, it's not publicized enough, but women who have estrogen positive tumors, luckily it, it's wonderful to have because it, it, we make estrogen, even if we go through menopause, our fat makes it, we have estrogen in our system, but this, but that feeds cancer in women like us. So we, this drug literally stops every ounce of estrogen in you. So while it's, it really does a great job helping to prevent a recurrence, it's not 100%, but it, it helps. And I'm not sure there's, there's some statistics out there. It causes all the things that not having estrogen does. So um, osteopenia, you know, loss of bone, achy joints, dryness all over, uh, 
some brain fog, uh, weight gain, everything that menopause is times a zillion because you don't have any, you, I don't have a drop of estrogen in me. So it ages you. Uh, so a lot of women, it's, so it's interesting because a lot of women, they choose not to do that because of that. But I don't advocate that because I really believe we need to give ourselves fighting chances with cancer. But no one, everyone thinks, oh, you're done with, you know, your mastectomy, you're done with your, your chemo, you're done with your radiation, you know, you're all set, you're ready to roll. Those of us on, on these pills, it is, it, it's with us every day. And, and I yeah. find that there's, that's just not publicized enough because it, it really is a challenge. You know, even, that's- even your brain, it, 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 it fogs you up a little bit. And as a professional speaker, I'm doing much better when I had chemo, it was, it was very difficult. I don't know if I'd be even going back to work, but this kind of fogs you up a little bit. So, but it basically ages you like people feel like, say they feel like they're 80 and 90 when they're on these things. So that's why I like getting into these details to help people understand. And every woman I've interviewed who has had estrogen positive has done that drug, but I do know some of them who were supposed to be on it for a decade and stopped like at the five-year mark, like immediately. (laughs) Um, But as far as I can remember, there's like, I think two exceptions, but of those two exceptions, they, they didn't do traditional treatment altogether anyway, but of, of the other women, um, they, they stayed on it for at least five years. I'm looking at 10 and, uh, you're looking at 10. You know, wow. It's interesting because two of my very, very close friends, both their moms had breast cancer in their early 60s and they were dead by 75, both estrogen positive. So it's no joke that this stuff comes back. So anything we can do to try to, you know, a little joint pain in the morning, you know, is uh, worth hopefully, you know, having some years ahead of us. So what decision did you make regarding reconstruction? So I was lucky. I had a, a fantastic plastic surgeon and I am, was uh, relatively small to begin with. So I was able to have immediate reconstruction with silicone implants. So they literally took out my breast and put in these uh, cute little silicone implants. And so I never really, you know, I, I went back and forth on that, but my husband said, you know, it just, it'll make you feel better because I, I never would have considered it otherwise. And I'm really glad I did. It worked out really well, knock on wood, no complications. And it, you know, I, it makes me feel normal. Um, my incision, you know, there's a nipple and it goes down like that as opposed to around. So it's, it's noticeable, but not that much noticeable. So for me, it was a really good decision. Um, it's weird. It's weird because they put it underneath your muscles. So when you like flex, your, your, your boobs go, <laughs> go up and down. It's very <laughs> weird. You know, but everything about my body's weird because I've I've had a couple of operations for blockages with my small bowel. So I've got large, um, you know, incisions going down my stomach. I've got the weird stuff with you know. So it's like Frankenstein, but it's it's all good because <laughs> you know it's you and it's my body and it's it's a survivor. But it's uh, it just cracks me up because it's not it's not anything that I was. But it's the new me, and it's and I'm still talking to you and your beautiful audience, and so that's where the gratitude comes in. Oh my goodness, you have an amazing attitude. Did you not need expanders? I'm just curious. No, because- see, I want to avoid it. I wanted to avoid the expanders 
That's what I women say is the most painful part. painful part. So if I chose to want to go bigger, which as a younger woman, if you're 35 or, you know, 40, you know, my goodness, one of my best friends had breast cancer when she was 35 and she, she did the expanders, you know, she's, she's still surviving, you know, thank goodness. But anyway, you could do that. And I had the skin to do that. And you, you expand, expand it, and they can put in bigger implants. But as a, you know, as a happily married 63 uh, year old, I thought, you know, I'll just have the immediate implants. And I've had so much pain, you know, you know, pain with, with, with the other cancers. And I've had other operations to take other lumps away. It's just like, you know, I don't need any more pain. So that's, was that decision, but I'm all for it for younger people, because I think it really, you know, it's a wonderful thing. If you, it's really important for body image. It's crucial. Wow. I love that you didn't have to have the experience. But I didn't do it. No, I, I mean, I could have, wow. but I just didn't, there was no need to meet to have a, a big rack at uh, age 63, <laughs> you know, so cheers to that. <laughs> So Lori, before I hit record, you told me you had lived in Los Angeles your whole life until a year ago. So tell us if it is at all related to you getting breast cancer. Why did you decide to make this move? It's absolutely related to breast cancer. And it's interesting because we'll have to backtrack again to 2013. I was a professor at Cal State Northridge for 25 years. I taught. No, really? Oh. Oh, I know so many people who went there. Yeah, so, and I went there, I got my MBA there and I, and I taught there for 25 years and I love teaching. Uh, I was uh, in journalism and marketing and public relations. So it was really fun, but I'll tell you, uh, I've always wanted to be a motivational speaker and a leadership coach. My doctorate is in organizational leadership and I really just wanted to do that. So my lymphoma was a wake up call that I really, as much as I love teaching, and I had a tenured position, I mean, I could have stayed there forever. I wanted to take that risk and really start reaching out to more people. So I ended up, um, you know, becoming a motivational speaker and retiring and doing that. So that was a huge step for me. And my business is very successful. Uh, At least it was up till COVID. And then of course you can't speak in front of people. So I learned how to Zoom inspire people, which is a whole nother story. But then this breast cancer came and again, like, like first it's COVID and I had to cancel so many talks and then re, 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 you know, pivot. And then, so COVID, then cancer. And I just, I realized, you know, I stayed in Los Angeles all of my life. First to be with my father, who was amazing, raised me after my mom died. Then after he passed, I just was so involved in school and, and, and teaching and, and all that. But I, I figured, you know, I'm going through chemo and, and really that whole mortality of thinking, you know, I'm so lucky to be alive. I needed a change and I never, ever did it. And so many young people and older people move all the time. I had never left Los Angeles. So I decided- Where did you actually grow up? What part of LA did you grow up? Valley. I was a Valley girl. I, I you were Boulevard. <laughs> I, I Moon Zappa actually gave me an award when I worked at the Daily News back in the eighties. Oh my I'm, gosh! I'm I love it. I'm, I'm love a Valley it. girl, and then we moved up to the Valencia area for thirty five years. Stayed in the same house, you know. Raised the family. Wow. But I just realized, you know, the time has come to to try it. So I have a daughter in Seattle, and. We uh, moved up to the Olympia area of Washington, and it was 
so wonderful for me. And one of my friends, it's so interesting. She said to me, you're moving to a place where you have no bad memories. And for me, I always thought, oh my goodness, I'm leaving my home where I raised my kids. I've got a zillion friends, my students, my life, my soul, you know, my parents and my whole family's buried, you know, in, in a cemetery there. I mean, everything's there. And, but her, when she said that to me, that you're going to a place with no bad memories, that just lit me up. And so we moved here in December and snowed. It never snows here. And it snowed. It was wild, you know, and we found some great neighbors. We have a beautiful one-story house. That was another thing because I found myself having trouble going upstairs after the whole chemo experience. And I've got to tell you, it's been six months, Andrea, and I absolutely love it up here. But it was all because of cancer. And I always encourage people, do not have to wait for a life-threatening illness to really step outside your comfort zone and find what you want and go for it because it life's precious. And we should know that without having to go through all these, these illnesses. So uh, that's what motivated me was pure cancer. That's exactly what it did. If I had not gone through that, it'd be a whole different story. Wow. Oh my goodness. When I hit the 20 year mark of living in LA, I was ready to leave. I was, but I was married. And I just, I never pictured living anywhere else, even though I'm not from LA, but I moved to LA a week after my 18th birthday, went to school there and stayed. And, and then I hung on for four more years (laughs) and, and finally I decided one day I just had to leave and, and people lost their minds. I kid you not. Like everybody just lost their minds over it. Except to his credit, my ex-husband, he supported me and we were still married at the time. And the thing was, it didn't matter where I went. Like it had nothing to do with the destination. As I told you before we hit record, I considered Oregon because I love Oregon. I love, I love the state of Oregon. And there's so many different parts of Oregon and places I could see myself living. And I took out a map of the U.S. and I just started mapping out every place where I knew at least two people. And it was all over the U.S. And I slowly just narrowed it down. And it had nothing to do, though, with where I was going. It was about this journey. You know, it was about the journey of leaving L.A. and leaving some level of comfort behind. But to your friend's point, I have a lot of happy memories in L.A., but but I have a lot of unhappy memories in L.A., you know. And my sister is buried in L.A. And I go back every year on Halloween to visit her grave at Hollywood Forever Cemetery wow. in Hollywood. And, and that was a commitment that, that I made when I left. But I have many happy memories of her in LA, but so many unhappy ones, you know, so many unhappy ones and many unhappy ones of my ex-husband. And so it, it was nice to, to kind of start over, you know, someplace new. And all of my families in the Southeast, all of them. I had, didn't have any family in California whatsoever. That's tough. Yeah. That's yeah. really something. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's just an interesting thing that we don't really think about it, it's, but it's profound. And you, it, it's, I'm glad that you really had the courage to do that too, because it's courageous and it's really being kind and, and true to yourself. And that's a real positive step. Well, Lori, tell me, what has been your worst moment in 
both cancer journeys, you, you pick whichever one you like, your worst moment. I think it was the chemotherapy. Um, it really hit me hard. And I ended up being in the hospital for five days after my first round because I couldn't get enough fluid in. And uh, uh, it, it just, it, I, I had no idea I'd be so sick. It, it really throws you for a loop, you know. Uh, and it's scary because it's so, it's so toxic. And, uh, did you have the red devil? No, I didn't have red did devil. I had a TC. Now I can't remember what that means. Thank goodness. But it was, it was, it was pretty, it was only four rounds. It was pretty intense. And, uh, and I kept a diary of like all the symptoms to be able to handle them, but I couldn't get over how sick I was. And I, I'm not a sick person, you know, but I just, right. everything, it was just awful. And it was scary. Cause I'm a, like, I've, like to be in control of my body, but you know, you lose your hair and you, your mouth tastes like metal. And it's like, you, it, you literally feel like death and it's, it's so weird. So that was, I think the hardest part was that, that chemotherapy. It was really tough. And I, I look back at it now, cause literally I was literally doing it a year ago right now. And, um, I'm just so grateful that that's behind me. And, you know, you wonder if you could do it again. It's really tough. It's no joke, but it's doable. I, I mean, it's doable, you, but you, you know, you get through it and there's, you know, for sure. Um, and I had great friends and great support, but I was astounded how bad I, it was. Just couldn't believe it. What was your best moment? My best moment. I think my best moment was finding out that it had not spread that we had caught it in time before it had spread. And that thanks to COVID, the timing of my mammogram was different and I was able to get it. And that, so waking up to knowing that it did not spread was the best moment. And of course, having the support of, of my wonderful friends who did it for me again after my second cancer, you know, they're all rallying. So, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing, but it's, you know, you, but you really do join a sisterhood when you have breast cancer too. And Lori, what's one thing you wish you had known at the beginning of your cancer journey? And let's go back to the first time, the very first time. What's one thing you wish you had known? I think I wish I had known that I could get through it. Like I, I wasn't sure if, if I, if, if I was going to make it through it, if I was going to survive it, if I was going to survive as long as I have. So that uncertainty, if I could have gone back and said, you know what, you're going to be okay and you're going to make it and you're going to live nine more years after that cancer, that would have been a good thing to know. Everything's over. Everything's so new though, Andrea, I know everything, like everything is just, it, it's you, that you get thrown into this whole new universe. And, uh, as much as you think you can prepare for it until you're actually sitting in that chair with that stuff going in you, you have it just, there's nothing to prepare you for that. That's right. You did make a three week bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> I should, I still should have made those. I should, I still should have made those calls. <laughs> Lori, if you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in the U S what would it be and why? Uh, improve access for everyone somehow create a program where everyone can get quality care, timely manner, without discrimination, without inequity, uh, and with a better, with a more focus on 
the preciousness of life. Like it's not, I'd like to see it get out of the business realm and into the human realm and put more humanity into our healthcare system as opposed to just making it such a financially driven um, industry. Yeah, that's hard. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. Uh, I just, it's just, I'm very blessed that I have a great medic, you know, a great insurance system. There's so many people who don't. And that just makes me very sad. So I'm not quite sure how that works. And I'm not an economics person or anything, but um, I'd like to see much more access for everyone who gets in trouble here. Yeah. All right, let's lighten things up. Are you ready? I'm ready. For the Thriver Rapid Fire? Okay. You strike me as someone who's very prepared. So <laughs> All right, here we go. Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. That surprises me. Really? Okay. Okay, you did say Moon Zap. I should have, there should have been a clue there. What is one word that best describes you? Happy. And before you die, what's the last song you want to hear? <laughs> um, I, um, turn out the lights, the party's over. That's the song. <laughs> <laughs> I have put together a playlist for my husband for my funeral. <laughs> There's a great song. Out there. Did you really? I don't know who sings it, but turn out the lights, the party's over. And I want, I think that would be a great song to hear and play and that's it the end done <laughs> <laughs> okay what about the last meal you want to eat oh definitely um got i love sushi but i have to say i just had some nashville fried chicken so fried chicken for sure and the last person or people you want to see uh my sweet family my my sons my daughter my son my daughters my grandkids my husband and the last words you will speak. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> In fact, I want that on my uh, on my tombstone, which I'm not going to have because I'm going to be But I'm just going to say, done. We're out. I know. Okay, so me too. I'm going to be cremated. But on my tombstone, I thought it would just be so ironic to have here lies a survivor. I think that's funny. I love right? that. <laughs> and dot dot dot. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Or survivor, <laughs> yeah, in quote. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I like that. Because I've heard people describe me as that so many times, and I just thought, how, how deeply ironic would that be? That'd be kind of fun, you know? Um, all right. So aside from Cancer U, what is one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And please tell people how they can get in touch with you. I think Cancer U is amazing. And what a resource. I just, I can't endorse that enough. My, my favorite thing in terms of resources was the Facebook cancer groups. There are some great breast cancer groups and I strongly encourage you. I got so much support and so much information about how to handle chemo and how to handle the estrogen pill, anti-estrogen pill, uh, that your doctors don't tell you. So it's amazing. And you had a, one of your um, guests, I noticed Tess, she, she has that sexuality in cancer uh, Facebook group. She's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. So I strongly encourage you to get on Facebook and get a, become part of these groups. They are amazing. 
And if there are some groups in particular that you like, would you send me links? Yeah, I'll so send I'll you links. I'll notes? definitely send you okay. links. Um, okay, that because would be Because there's great. specific ones. I'll just send you the links. Some amazing ones, I have to say. I would post my, you know, post and I would get so much love and support. I mean, you, you get a lot of support from your friends when you post on Facebook, but it's different when you've got women who literally have been through the same thing the week before, right? So. Right. And there are hacks, right? There are these little things that you can do. Oh, I, I know one survivor told me, how come no one told me that Claritin helps with bone pain? That was a tip she got two years in from another person, I think in a waiting room of all things. And and no, a doctor didn't tell her that. And it was just this little hack, you know, and it worked for her. I take Claritin every day and I never had Claritin in my life. I've never had allergies, but that's the hack I found, you know, um, uh, this C manos thing or something. One of these, uh, um, supplements that stop you from having a UTI because you're so dry that you have, you're, you're more prone to UTIs. I mean, there's so many amazing I things I learned. Uh, and, uh, I just, um, cherry tart, cherry, and that helps with yeah. bone pain, you know, all sorts of amazing, amazing thing. So I strongly, strongly recommend you get on these, these, uh, these Facebook groups. Okay. We will put links to those. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, my website, www.lauriebakershenna.com. And, uh, I'd love to, if you need any support or encouragement, you can email me from there. And, um, I'm all about supporting fellow cancer uh, survivors and uh, current battlers. And uh, it's really important that we all join together and do that. And have you started speaking again? Oh, yeah. Have you been out in the world yet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, awesome. I didn't, um, I didn't think I was going to in the dip in the depths of my chemo. I thought I'm, I just don't think I'll ever be able to work again. And then all of a sudden in October, November, I started feeling much better and my brain started working again. And so by uh, January, I started my also my old clients called me back, and now I'm 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 booked through basically. The, I've got many things throughout the rest of the year, speaking about leadership and and doing my coaching. I do a lot of leadership coaching, but I didn't think Andrea, I didn't think I'd be back, and I am. So that's I'm just grateful for that. No. Lori, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. This has been so much fun. And you keep go, keep up the tremendous work. You're touching countless lives. And it's just, it's just an honor to be here. And I'm just so thrilled that you are doing this because we all need what you provide. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.